And happy Advent, of course. We are celebrating uh, the first Advent of Jesus, his, uh, his coming as a babe and anticipating his second Advent, his coming in all glory as the final king. So for the next two weeks, we have relief from the book of Judges. Some of you are excited. Some of you are disappointed. Uh, more are probably excited. Uh, <laughs> Judges is tough, all right? Uh, but we're, we're taking it easy on you. We're going, uh, we're going to the very first chapter of the book of John for the next two weeks and basically getting our, our grounding right for anticipating Christ. So John is, John is nice because it's a slightly different take on the, the kind of pre-birth narrative. And instead of going through the the songs and the, the stories, it's going through the, the theological depth of what is happening here. In particular, today, we're looking at the pre-existence of the Son of God and what he was doing beforehand and kind of setting up why it was so great that he would come. Why should we care that this baby was born if we don't know the the larger story, if we don't know the eternal nature of the Son, if we don't know his working ahead of time, then we're not going to understand what he came to do and the, the beauty of this incarnation, that this great one would step down and be with us, live with us, die, and be resurrected. So we're going to be looking at uh, kind of the, some essential things, the Son of God as the, as the Word, as life, and as light, when you're looking at the witness, John the Baptist, as we prayed about just a second ago, and we're going to look at what, what that light really came to do. Why did he come? And how does that get us excited about the, the Christmas season? So uh, let's look at John 1, verses 1 through 13. John 1, verses 1 through 13. And here we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. The light shone in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about that light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray. Our great God, we come before you this morning, recognizing you as the great creator, and Father, recognizing the, the preeminent work of Jesus. Lord, we ask that we might see Jesus in all of his glory, that we would understand the humiliation of coming before us, that we would know his great love for us and the, the great power that we would see the light and would receive the life that is found in him. 
Father, that would hear the word that has been spoken, that we have a great Savior. Father, would you be with us? Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you shape our hearts? And would you give us great joy in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we pray in his name. Amen. All right, so first of all, we're going to see the, the preeminence of the Son of God. Where was Jesus before the incarnation? Where was this Son of God? What was he doing? And I ask that because uh, I looked at a recent uh, uh, article that was t- studying what people actually thought about this, and they said a third of the church thought that, that Jesus didn't exist until Christmas, and that half of kind of the American people as a whole they only know that Jesus came in Christmas. They don't know that he ever existed beforehand. That's not a category that they have. All right, so we want to clear this up. We want to understand, oh wait, this is a great and glorious thing that Jesus did to incarnate, but what was he doing before that? And how does that connect to his larger mission? And so when we think of uh, John 1, we have to think of another passage. When the people who like first read this, they inevitably would have thought back to what? To Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening and there was morning, the first day. All right, what do we see here? We see two of the the persons of the Trinity. We see this God who is speaking, who is creating. We see the Holy Spirit kind of hovering over the face of the deep, but we recognize that there's a, a third entity here. That when God speaks, that word doesn't return void, it is powerful. It is immensely powerful. It does what it was meant to do, and in this case, it brings forth life and it, light, and it brings forth the, the defeat of chaos and the, the filling of this great void. And as we see John, he's saying that that word, that word was indeed the second person. And it's powerful when the Father creates because he creates through that word who is a living entity. That the Son of God is the one through whom all things were created. That he is there from the very beginning. That he was the one fashioning these things together. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit Equal in power and glory. All three, very God of very God. And we have this picture of the speaker and the word that is spoken. And that both, both are fully God. That when the Father speaks, that word, the Son of God, brings it about. And then the breath the Ruach, the Holy Spirit, carries that word and accomplishes that word. The Trinitarian nature of creation. 
all right? We can get lost in that. We can think, we can think in Christmas that we think of this, this tiny baby and miss the fact that this is our great creator. This is the, the one who thr- through whom all things were created is, is sitting in the manger. Right. Do you receive Jesus as the one through whom all things were created? Do you know him as that? Do you praise him and, and, and delight in the creation knowing that these things are not just out there to be received that we see Jesus in them. We see the great Son of God. Right. We glorify him in all of creation because we are part of his creation and he hasn't just created them without a purpose. That they are to bring glory to his own name because they came about through him. All right, let's keep going. What else did he do? What else was the, was the word doing before his incarnation? Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. All right. We find life in Jesus Christ. Other passages talk about how Jesus Christ upholds all things by the word of his power. That the only reason everything doesn't just disintegrate into a million pieces is because we have this one holding all things together by his very power. And that we have this, this great God who stands, stands far from us and we have us in our sin and in the darkness under judgment and death and sin. And Jesus is kind of the, the vein that is the lifeblood flowing into this otherwise dead creation that he's constantly sustaining us. And it's not just that he came and lived to give us eternal life at that point. No, he, he maintains our life second by second. He is sovereignly upholding it. That the only reason we have breath is because Jesus Christ is giving it to us as a great gift. Now, Do we live our lives receiving life from him? When we think about, okay, where am I going to find life today? Do we run towards the Son of God? Do we run towards this one who has spoken the word? Or do we look for life in a million other things? Do we look for it in the creation instead of in the creator? Do we look for their life where there is no life? And in a larger sense, what is your life all about? What is your life about? If it's not deeply and intimately connected to this one, then we are, as we see, in great darkness. Is your life about the glory of Jesus? Is your life found in Jesus and rooted in Jesus? When you feel like you're like drying up inside, do you look for life in him? And finally we see, okay, he's, yes, he's life, but he's also light. The light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. All right, what does that mean? That means if we're looking for any truth 
any wisdom, any goodness, any reality. We look for it in the Son of Man. That if you want to know how this creator created all things and, and what it's supposed to look like and what it looks like to, to know truth and goodness, we run to this person, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we receive from him the revelation and the wisdom and the knowledge that he has in himself. That to run to anything else is to run to, to ignorance and to foolishness. And we ask ourselves, like, do we really look for revelation in Jesus Christ? Does the reality of what he's done, does it inform the, the world around us? Do we see things through the, through the lens of the gospel, of our life in Christ, of the kingship and lordship of Jesus? These are the kind of questions that we ask. And yet we recognize that though that light shines, oftentimes we find ourselves in darkness. Now that's where there's, uh, there's some fun with this word, uh, the word, the logos, the logos. I know, some of you want to talk about this. All right, some of the pastor's wives just smiled because they're, they're sick of hearing about the logos. All right, uh, the logos. <laughs> All right. There's a, there's a Jewish con- concept of this, which is very simple. They already thought they had the word. And what was it? They had the word. And they didn't need a word that's living. They didn't need someone to through whom all things were created. No, they, they'd kind of lost the plot. And they'd taken this word, and they reduced it down to the law, and said, you know what, I, I think we have plenty of life right there. And I don't, I, we don't live in darkness. We can, we can create our own light. We can receive these things and do what we need to do, and we can create life, and we can create our own light, and we can... We can live just fine. All right. We can do that exact same thing. That we don't actually need Jesus. What do we need? We just need a bunch of rules and a bunch of good wisdom for how we should live our lives well. And if we do that well enough, then we'll have plenty of light within ourselves and our lives will be good and and happy. All right. That, That is utter foolishness. We do not look for the light within ourselves. We do not look for the light in our willing things to happen. Now, within us is darkness. We look outside of ourselves, this one who enlightens us and pours his own eternal life into us. And you don't have to be a religious person to do this. You don't have to be like, I'm, I'm committed to the laws. No, you can create your own law and then live by those. You're just as religious. Right. Have we replaced the, the living word with a, a dumbed-down, doable word? Our own logos. All right, then there's the other side of it. All right, so that's, that's the Jewish side. That's where they, they fell into darkness, and we can follow them. There's, other, there's the Gentile Greek side. And philosophers, philosophers for 
Hundreds of years have been using this, this word, the logos. And they weren't looking at special revelation. They were just looking at the world and saying, okay, how can we find meaning in all this? How can any of this have any purpose? I think some of us feel, find ourselves in that place. We're saying, like, is there anything more to life than just going to work and eating food and sleeping and, like, waking up and doing the cycle again and again and again? Does life just start to feel kind of meaningless and purposeless? And they say, you know what, there has to be something more, and the something more is called the Logos. And it connects everything together and binds it all together. And all the little truths that you deal with in your life, there's real truth in this concept, the Logos. And all the things that you, you negotiate with good and evil, there's true goodness. Somewhere out there, there is real justice and peace and purpose and meaning. But at the end of the day, what did they say? We don't actually know what it is. And as much as we want it to be true, it's, it's a figment of our imagination. And it's a hope that it's there. And oftentimes we, we can live like that or we can see non-believers living like that where they have all the ingredients and they live their lives like, like love and truth and goodness or these real things that really matter and aren't just in our heads, but there's no foundation for any of it. The logos isn't, doesn't really exist. And so everything just starts to crumble away. And that's where John, revolutionarily, he's saying, no, that is a person. That is a person who holds all things together. All the things you want to be true are true in Christ. He is the one doing these things. He is the one who holds them and contains them. And we realize, okay, there is great meaning. There is truth and goodness. But we don't just try to work it out out here. We look for it in the person of Christ. All right. Light and darkness, light and the word. All right, these are huge concepts. And we say, okay, oftentimes I'm in darkness. Or we encounter people who are in darkness and we ask, okay, how does the light actually penetrate? How does it get there? How does it come to, to ordinary people that they might see and receive light and receive the life that is found in this one? And what do we get? We get a witness. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. All right. I never liked this. I always hated that the Christmas story had so much about John the Baptist. Because who cares? It's like, oh, we have, we have, and it's not like a little bit. It's like we have whole, like, people singing songs about John the Baptist. And we're like, the, the Savior of the world is coming. Why are we singing of John, like, a song about this guy? Why are we getting so excited about this? I was talking to Steve. I was like, oh, we have to do more John the Baptist stuff. Or, you know, like, and you have these really good prophetic things, and you realize, oh, that's not even about Jesus. That's about John the Baptist. 
And it's disappointing because you're like, oh, I wanted to use that. And no, no, never mind. Uh, all right. Yeah, we, no, we, we keep ourselves uh, under, the, under the rules. Yeah. Uh, all right. Why does John the Baptist get to sneak into Jesus' story? Why should we care? And that's where, it, as, as lofty and as heady as all this gets, and as Jesus and God and all of their eternal glory and power and plan, they use normal stuff. And what do they use? They use witnesses to show people the light. And we think, well, why can't the light just reveal himself? All right. The darkness is so thick that the second person of God could come and live among us and no one would have noticed. All right, that's the reality of the darkness we're dealing with here. And so what happens? They send John the Baptist. John the Baptist is sent because people need to be ready for the light. They need to be prepared. They need to have people with light in themselves to prepare people for the coming of Jesus. All right. Hopefully you're seeing the connection to you here. All right. If before the first advent was a great witness, all right, before the second advent, there will be great witnesses. And if your eyes have been opened, if the light has approached you, if you can see the life that is found in Christ, there's a great responsibility and a great joy and privilege put upon us that we get to be witnesses to the light. We talked earlier about inviting people to Christmas Eve. Like, all right, that is, that is one of the ways that God gives immense meaning to our lives. We want to have meaning and purpose. We want things to be eternal. We want not to just run around in the rat race and go around the merry-go-round, around and around and around. All right, this is one of those great joys that we can witness to the light and, and have an eternal impact on the world and on the people of the world. Now, as, as we do that, I remind us, what does it say about John the Baptist? Uh, he was not the light. All right. You are not the light. All right. Do you realize that? All right. Sit in that. All right. Some of you are like, I'm definitely not the light. All right. <laughs> Others of you are like, well, I, if I were a better light, then I could be the light. Or, you know, I'll start evangelizing when I'm a great light. All right. There's no time for that. All right. You get, you get a little bit of, of life here. Some less than you're going to think you get. And there are people who need to see the light. And they're not, there's no time for you to become a perfect Christian. The time is not for you to, to become this kind of like bastion of all knowledge and all truth. No, if, if you have seen the light, witness to him. Tell people about the light that's found in him, the life that is found in him. Right? That is as much a part of the, this Christmas story, the Advent, as the second coming is.
There was always a witness before. He has given that as a charge to all of us that we might be used for his glory. All right. All right. I have met people who feel totally lost. And they feel like life is just meaningless and they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to figure out what the heck they're going to do with their lives. And, and they're looking at like this smorgasbord of life and saying, well, how can I desperately find meaning? Should I just get a hobby? Should I, should I uh, get a job? Should I do this? Should I just focus on the things that are already before me? All right. There actually is great purpose in the mission. You want to feel like you're making an impact. You want to feel like there, is, there are real things happening in your life. Yeah, do the mission. That, that'll have eternal ramifications. All right, next, 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 and finally. All right, so, so he's coming, so we're going to bear witness to him. What does he want to do? What does he want to do if the light comes? What is he going to do when he enlightens his people? Verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. All right, think of it like this. We think of the light standing far, far off. And the darkness, it, it, it was not being penetrated. So what does the light do? The light comes as close as humanly possible to step down into the darkness. That the light might overwhelm that darkness. Right. At first, when we talked about this, all right, that light can seem, seem very far off. And if we're lost in the darkness, like we can ask, why didn't he do anything about it? Why does he just send, this, send these witnesses that no one listens to? And why doesn't he do something to help the people in sin and death who wander around in the darkness, scraps, looking for scraps of meaning and purpose? Right. He comes. He comes down. And if I were Jesus, the second person of God, I wouldn't come with a smile on my face. I would come bitter and annoyed that all of these people who have their life in me, that I'm literally a source of all life, and I'm the one who's going to reveal everything good and perfect to them, that all of this time they've just cast me off. And I would come in judgment and I would come to destroy. And that's why I'm not a savior. That's why I'm not the light. <laughs> all right, Jesus comes to these people who have utterly rejected him. They're literally made in his image. Anything good they have is because they bear some resemblance to this Jesus. Any gift that they have ever received that has been good or pleasing has been from his hand. And yet they do not worship him. They do not acknowledge him. They don't want to see him as a light and they love the darkness. 
And yet, what does he come to do? He comes to be rejected ultimately. That the people would come and and get their hands on the light. To destroy the light. To take the life that is from him. To stifle out the word that would accuse them. And yet that is exactly what he does. And what does he come to offer them? This is the most beautiful thing. He comes to offer them a place in this family. That of all the things that are, we'd be most cherished, to me as Jesus, I would say, you know, I, I'm the son of God. I have this great sonship. I have a place of glory and honor. I have a place of, of such standing. And compared to you, you are nothing. And what does Jesus come to do? He makes himself nothing so that he might share with you his sonship. We realize the gravity of that. That after all of our rejecting of him, he comes down and says, hey, receive sonship, receive a place in my family that I might be your brother, that the eternal God might be your father. And what do you have to do to get it? Just believe. Believe I am who I say I am. Believe that I am the light. Believe that the word that I speak. Receive the life that I offer you. I think of the that light coming into the darkness. All right, just a picture for you. So, Christmas is a very dark time, physically. It's the, it's the, the winter solstice. It's very dark. All right. When you see any light reflective of Christmas, all right, I want you to think of Jesus. You see those lights, you think of Jesus. And you think of the fact that I was in utter darkness and the light came down so that I might see, so that I might know that I am a son of God, so that I might be brought in to be a, a child of the Most High. When you go looking at, at Christmas lights, think that. When you see your Christmas trees all lit up, when you see that light, think of that. When you see Rockefeller Center, think of that. And then I want you to bask in your sonship. Bask in the sonship that God has given you. That if you have received Jesus, if you have believed in him, put your faith in him, you are children of God. Right? God is your father. He loves you. He is as committed to you as to, to Jesus. You have a place and a standing in the family that cannot be taken from you. The eternal God wants to hear from you and has given you a direct line that you may share all the, the mundane realities of your life with him. And he actually wants to listen. And that he is committed to giving you the things that you need if you would only ask. And he will treat you as a child with all love, with discipline, and with care to give you wisdom and, and knowledge and the things that, 
that you need to, to live life well. You have an inheritance. Right. You now, you now have a, a debit card connected to the, the great inheritance of the riches of heaven, which are better than just stuff. They are, you have like the, the Jesus bank account of all righteousness and holiness and goodness. That can be uh, like can be applied to you, and when you get to heaven, you can turn all of that in for, for the glorious inheritance that Jesus Christ has earned for you. All right, think of having a brother. All right, kids, you guys do not like your siblings. Okay, I get it. <laughs> all right, yes, we've talked about that. All right, think about what a sibling you are to your siblings. All right, you're bad at it. I'm going to say that. Right. Now, now think, of, think of Jesus as your older brother. Think of Jesus as your older brother. All right, what has this brother done for you? All right, he was the better older brother. He had better things. He had greater love from his parents. He did everything right, everything perfect. He was going to receive all glory. And what does he do? He shares it with you. And he says, you know, I don't, I don't want this place by myself. I want to, to give it to you willingly. And hey, I'll take all your punishments. All right, that's your older brother now. All right, that's supposed to be a picture of you, for you a little bit. Uh, just, just so you know. All right, think of the life that he's given you. That you now share in the, the life eternal. As a member of the family of God. That life flows in your veins because you are now in the family that is eternal and everlasting. That as you are adopted in this family, you become light. You become a witness. You become life. You become a means by which other people find eternal life. You become one of the people with the great word that you can speak words that will turn people from death to life, that the Holy Spirit works through your words to bring about the salvation of sinners. All right, these are the beautiful things that Jesus Christ has come to do. This is our great child sitting in the manger. Would we delight in him? Would we trust in him? Would we seek life in him? And would we give him all the glory? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can come to you as Father not because of anything in ourselves, not because we were born of you. We were born in darkness. We were born children of the evil one we were born as enemies and yet through Christ we are reborn by the spirit we are reborn into this family father we ask that we might bask in our sonship that we might see this great light that has come into the darkness and father would you give us ample joy 
would we be infectious in our praise and in our delight that we know this great Jesus and would the, the light shine out of us that we may show people the true light who is coming into the world. We pray this in Christ's name.